0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the DLC Drop Podcast. Today, it's my pleasure to welcome Jason Norton. Jason is a very prominent fixture in my life. As the pastor of the church I go to, he's also a former army ranger. He's served on a SWAT team as well uh, before f- finding his place in ministry. Today, we're gonna talk about the lessons he's learned in the rangers, about full commitment, perseverance, and truths that he's learned throughout his path that apply to leadership and business. Let's talk to jason drop in the untold stories of industry leaders influencers and insights on future innovation i'm john davidson and this is the, the DLC, dlc drop, drop podcast. podcast all right welcome to another episode of the dlc drop podcast it's my pleasure today to have pastor jason norton here with me uh jason i just so appreciate your time to be here I've had a few moments throughout this podcast different episodes where I have somebody very special who's had a big impact in my life mm-hmm. I've had the CEO of my first office job wow. I've had some of these esports leaders mm-hmm. who had a significant impact taught me a lot about how to operate in this industry hmm but you may be the person who has more consistently had a positive impact in my life as I am sitting in your church just about every Sunday. Mm, Amen. And so, uh, you know, I really want to have you on because you have had this positive impact. I've learned a lot from you, but you also have an incredible life story where you've learned a lot of things. And so, you've come through the Army Rangers, Mm -hmm. you've been an assistant leader in the SWAT team, Mm -hmm. and pastor at a cowboy
1: church now. Yeah, exactly.
0: First of all, what the heck's a cowboy church?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, first off, thank you for having me. I was excited to come here. I'm kind of new to all this kind of stuff. So, uh, what is a cowboy church? Uh, the apostle Paul says, i become all things to all men mm-hmm. so that by all means a few might be saved. So cowboy church is a, a mission field that you don't have to get on an airplane and take off. It's mm-hmm. uh, the working cowboy or the rodeo cowboy. And obviously everybody is welcome, but it is a target just like any business would have a target target goal or aim or mission uh, or vision and that's the cowboy church to reach yeah. the working cowboy that's usually actually out in the field tending cattle on a Sunday that's right yeah when I tell people yeah I, I go to this cowboy church and uh, people are a little surprised
0: I am <laughs> Maybe the furthest thing from a cowboy. <laughs> I
1: think they might say that about me as well.
0: Yeah, and so uh, we've got a rodeo arena on site. Mm-hmm. Um, I tell people these per- people aren't dressing up; they're coming from work. That's right, you know, and they've probably been working since sunrise. Yeah, we, that morning.
1: Yeah, we've even had a. I, I knew it was a, a different draw of people when uh, first service you know starts at eight, and mm-hmm. I saw a group of guys come in about eight of them they just got done hog hunting all night and they're in their overalls i was like this is definitely a different fishing lure yeah to fish for men so yeah
0: yeah that's interesting well uh, I want to get into a little bit later in the episode of you know specifically how you got into this role so sure. take us back to where this journey started all the way I, from what I understand uh, you started boxing at a mm-hmm. relatively early, early
1: age yeah my my father owned a karate uh, karate dojo mm-hmm. studio I mean there's a few different names of it and he was obviously a black belt and so I started in Taekwondo at an early age and then when I got to the teenage years, you know, when that testosterone kicks in and uh, you're not satisfied with the little taps here and a little tap there or doing a form or a kick or what they would call like a paper punch where sure. you're just learning the technique and the form but you have not really put it to the test in like a gas station parking lot or a <laughs> school some power behind like it yeah. Well, you know, I believe you're always wondering if you could do something if somebody attacked you so my dad uh exposed me to kickboxing and i was on the competition team and uh, i remember my first fight when i was 15 years old i remember immediately learning the difference between sparring and fighting sparring is you practice your stuff on me i'll practice my stuff on you but kickboxing it whether you're ready or not, here it comes. Wow. And uh, so at 15 years old is when I first did full contact what was that? What was that first time going full contact like? It's real strange to fight somebody older than you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was 15. The guy I fought was older than me. And this sounds kind of funny, but at 15, I didn't have no hair on my chest. But the guy that I fought had full hair on his chest. Yeah. And he was an older man, so... You have to do a uh you know a psychological switch that you would assume you're going to fight somebody your own age and sure and you see a grown man get in the ring and you're going <laughs> wait a minute i didn't sign up to fight a man <laughs>
0: <laughs> your dad but, signed you up to yeah fight a man, so apparently, apparently
1: you know i'm like oh well, here we go and uh the first time you get my dad prepared me really well i mean he 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 started having more people spar me and hit me harder so I mm-hmm. wouldn't be shocked when I got in the ring. But sure. um, the first time, you know, a man hit you as hard as he can and you didn't duck, <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it, it can be uh, very frightening. Yeah. Uh, you immediately... Uh, well, I don't know how other people are. I immediately wanted to be the person in the bleachers eating the Frito pie. <laughs> I was like, I, this is not the position I wanna be in. Yeah. But then, uh, you know, your upbringing and raising, you know, your my dad, my family taught me how to, if you're gonna do it, do it. Mm-hmm. And um, so eventually you get two, or three more times and you finally go, I need to do something about this or he's gonna really hurt me. Yeah. So then you learn how to fight back.
0: The DLC Drop podcast is sponsored by iShaker. I've been a huge fan of this brand for the past few years, ever since I met founder Chris Gronkowski. Uh, what I love about this product is the brand story, the functionality, and the customization. iShaker is a Shark Tank company invested in by Mark Cuban and Alex Rodriguez, owned by NFL players Rob Gronkowski and Chris Gronkowski. I love using my ice shaker anytime I'm driving to the podcast studio, I'm going skateboarding, or I'm at the gym. No matter what I'm doing, it just does a great job of keeping my drinks hot or cold. The customization for ice shaker is something that's super unique. You can get any name, just about any logo engraved onto your ice shaker and delivered to you within just three to five business days. Get your own DLC drop branded ice shaker at ice shaker.com forward slash DLC drop. Save 20% on all ice shaker products with the discount code DLC drop. At some point did you get this bug of like, like in skateboarding, for example, Mm -hmm. like the the ability that skateboarder needs to have Mm -hmm. is that when you fall, you slam so hard you get back up. Yeah. And you can't, you, you, I remember telling somebody this one time who was, confused as to why i fall on concrete for fun yeah yeah exactly (laughs) you may be confused as well yeah but is i say the the feeling of rolling away Mm -hmm. from a trick on my skateboard Mm -hmm. i value that more than i'm scared of breaking bones yeah and so i I sometimes i look at my son and i think i wonder if he'll be a skateboarder yeah and you know all these kids like when they're little they slam really hard oh yeah and he gets up and says I'm okay I'm like oh yeah there's something there yeah he <laughs> so just my, learned something <laughs> yeah exactly so my question to you is okay you have that experience the first time Did, were you then like man I want to get back in this ring or was it your father saying
1: get back in the ring? well uh when I came home because I, I broke my nose yeah. Or I didn't. He broke my nose <laughs> Yeah, and uh, broke a couple of my ribs. Oh, wow. Yeah. I lost in the decision first fight. And I I mean, that kind of comes with the territory like you, you right. didn't want to fall. But right when you fell, it was expected that you, to get better, you're going to have to fall. You're going to have to get hit. That's right. You're going to have to do the scary things to get through the, the wonderful things. Mm. So when I came home, my mom was doing our laundry and she saw my towel that was just all bloody and I didn't know it but she called the karate school and said he will he will not fight anymore wow so I had to wait a little bit longer till I got a, uh, a little older before I could continue fighting. I did still competitive martial arts tournament fighting, but it's okay. not like full contact. That's yeah. totally different. And then I waited till I was a little older to do that. And so, so you went through your teenagers
0: and then you joined the army. Mm-hmm. What age was that? Uh,
1: let's see, 96, mm-hmm. so I was 20 years old. Okay. I had to do quick math there. Yeah. It's been a while. I was 20 years old 1996 March 1st and I joined the United States Army
0: and was that something that you always um, had in mind to do I believe that your your father yeah my
1: father was in the army my stepdad was a marine uh, my papa was a frogman in world war ii in the navy Mm -hmm. uh my brother was in the army 82nd airborne Uh, some other families were in the military as well yeah um but i was told you know don't go in the military because uh you know they said you're smarter than that you're just going to delay your life and Hmm. and for some some people in the family said that and uh i actually was going to college and but i had a I had a serious temper Mm. issue. Yeah. And uh, I knew that if I did not get that under control, I'd either be in the penitentiary, I'd get in trouble or I'd be hurt or I'd hurt somebody. Sure. Uh, It's one of those things when you know you have a problem, but you don't have the self-control or discipline to actually fix it. Sure. And so I was at home in my apartment after. I get in an argument with my boss who blamed me for something that I didn't do. And um, I told him, you know, I quit and that's about the third time I blew up. Hmm. It was all obviously a lot more colorful than what I just said, but (laughs) I'm sitting at home alone in my apartment. I look up at the fireplace, mantle and see a picture of my older brother. I had 82nd airborne. I Mm -hmm. said, that's it. I'm gonna go do it. And Hmm. I went to a recruiter and talked to him and that's where it started.
0: And you ended up as an Army Ranger. So how do you mm-hmm. go from? I'm not familiar with the process. So sure. You fill me in. You go to the recruiter. How you end up going to the Rangers, which is the elite force sure. within the Army. Um,
1: sure. <clears throat> well, you go to the recruiter, and they obviously no 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 fault to them. They got a job to do. Mm-hmm. They have different slots they need to fill mm-hmm. because they're told, you know, hey, we need more of this person, more of this job. So you take an ASVAB test and it's funny. They said, uh, oh, well, you scored real high on your ASVAB and there's only one job you can't do in the military. And I was like, what's that? And they said, a nuclear physicist. And I was <laughs> like, what in the world is that? yeah and They go, they designed submarines. And I was like, well, I don't want to do that anyway. <laughs> perfect And so I saw a, uh, a video about army rangers and I told the recruiter I said I want to uh, be an army ranger and he literally looked at me and said why have you do you even know what they do mm. and I was like yeah I saw a little bit about it but I didn't get a ranger contract when I signed up mm-hmm. I actually got an 82nd airborne because I told him I said if I if you sign me up if I can't be a ranger then I'll sign up for 82nd airborne because that's okay. where my big brother's at yeah and so I sign up, I get to basic training and there's three soldiers in basic training in my company that have Ranger contracts. Mm. Well, two of them quit. And I knew that. Mm. So I asked my drill sergeant, I said, Hey, can I have one of their contracts? And he said, that depends on how good you do. And he said, I'm not just going to give that to another person that's going to quit. So long story short, he gave me the contract and I went to airborne school, Mm -hmm. which I was already headed there anyway. And then after airborne school, the Rangers come and pick you up and, that's when the games begin
0: yeah tell us about this games what is this like uh going through
1: well I don't know what it's like now Mm -hmm. well at the time you go through rip ranger indoctrination program which is basically a three-week course Mm -hmm. of how bad you want it there's all obviously minimum qualifications you must fulfill and satisfy to make it but it well, at, we're at airborne graduation. There's like 200 and something soldiers graduating with brand new airborne wings and everybody's so happy and everybody's going to leave and go be with their families. And there's a do truck full of rangers there to pick you up. Mm. Well, we go put our bags on there and we don't get to see our families. I just waved at my family and said bye. Mm-hmm. And there's about eight of us that jumped on it at the time. And oh. then he pulled around the corner and said, get out of my truck. And he made us run. all the way to the barracks was about three miles away yeah and uh in our boots and i mean graduation all this stuff and that began the the last thing they care about in the rangers is your feelings and Mm. that's where i did a lot of growing up i mean basic ait airborne was challenging but rip I mean, they'll walk you out, at the time, it's different now, but at the time they'd walk you out and go, we had 80, our final class uh, had 80 starting the RIP, Ranger Indoctrination Program. Mm -hmm. And they would take us out one morning and go, we're going to do PT until at least four of you quit. (laughs) And so you're out there for hours, hours just doing PT, physical training quit please yeah yeah exactly (laughs) hurry up would you please (laughs) but everybody's so excited uh, that Mm. it's new that it really hadn't set in yet but eventually they will definitely every what i experienced in the rangers is you have to have a level of physical fitness you have to have a level of competency but you also have to have a level of mental strength Mm. and they will constantly mess with you just to see if you're gonna quit What are some of the ways that they do that? Lie and say that somebody stole something out of the CP when nobody did (laughs) and then just use it as an excuse to punish you. Hmm. There are some things that probably couldn't even be listed on this podcast. Nothing criminal. Mm-hmm. but a very bad taste to be speaking over a microphone a, a common one would be going on a run in the morning mm-hmm. and you're running they say okay we're about to be done and then we run into the complex and then they keep running and do that whole entire run again <laughs> So they'll keep making you think something's about to be done, and then yet it's never done. And what it does, though, it's actually pretty smart. What it does is it gets you to where you are totally out of your feelings, and all you're going to do is obey orders, Hmm. no matter what. You're just going to do what you're told. And so out of the 80-something, we ended up graduating like 23. Wow. Yeah, so it's a big uh, attrition, right?
0: What was the most challenging thing you had to go through in that process as far as like... uh whether you're swimming with a rifle above your head or you're doing
1: these other things. The suffering. um, uh, I actually wrote a poem. I wish I could find it. But I wrote uh, some poetry when I was had some quiet time. And I talked about finally being comfortable in the pain. Mm. And it's kind of a strange thing. Maybe an educated psychologist could explain it better to me. But I got to where... I didn't feel comfortable unless somebody was yelling at me, punishing me, or Mm -hmm. letting me stay in suffering places. Yeah. When my family finally came in and picked me up from graduation, that night when we went to the hotel, I slept on the floor because the floor was more comfortable than the bed. Wow. Yeah, so it kind of jacks with you a little bit.
0: I can think of how that would, as a soldier in these... Very challenging environments, how that would aid you in staying alive and defeating sure. the enemy. Sure. But what's that do to you when you're no longer at war?
1: Well, I was a peacetime Ranger. I was alerted to go to combat three times, loaded up on the bird once, and then they, to Grenada, and they ended up canceling it because there's an aircraft carrier, from what I was told, Mm -hmm. aircraft carrier of Marines closer by. And obviously, you know, military has to understand budget as well. Yep. So I never pulled the trigger as a Ranger in combat, only Mm -hmm. in training. Um, But what does it do to you? You get so used to being in an extreme environment. Mm -hmm. So when you come home to a family, yeah as a young 20 something year old and i hear some common woe is me type issue (laughs) and i and i turned into an idiot because Mm. i was like i just slept in a swamp for two weeks i didn't actually sleep i barely slept but we just operated in a georgia swamp for two weeks and you're gonna tell me you're somebody was rude to you at work and i was just like and so i wasn't mature enough Mm -hmm. um when i was a young man in my 20s so what did it do to me specifically to answer your question it made me hard to be around i felt like i said i felt more comfortable being uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and then when i heard somebody else's version of that i was just i was just a butthole about it yeah i was immature
0: so how, you know, how did you overcome
1: that? Well, I, I would always say the Lord, mm-hmm. um, but uh, the Lord does it through many different ways. Hmm. And life repetition will teach you something. It will teach you, hey, the, key, the way you keep treating people's making them want to get away from you. Yeah. And uh, so eventually you sit there and go, I, I need to calm down. Mm-hmm. I have got to calm down because mm-hmm. I'm pushing everybody away from me. Right. And so I would say, how did I overcome it? Um, the repetition of doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. And then also um, uh, through the biblical principles that God teaches in His Word. Yeah. yeah. What
0: are some of those that are key to you that, you know, helped with behavior change? Because I think oh. that's
1: something that all of us can. <laughs> Absolutely. Guess. And. Uh, this one became it's in the book of James. It became so crucial to me for surviving a moment. Uh, I tell people if you ever want to pray for me, pray for my initial reaction because mm. my initial reaction can be immature, fleshy, destroy, destructive. Yeah. But uh, and people are like, well, how in the world are you a minister and you're like that? Well, I mean, if we read the Bible, Jesus himself referred to two guys as sons of thunder. Mm. I mean, so, and obviously in the biblical times, that's, uh, you know, they had a temper. It doesn't right. justify a temper, but it does. He God did create some people that are a little bit fiery. So the, in the book of James, it says, in qualities needed in trials be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to wrath. Mm-hmm. So I was opposite. All three of those, I did the opposite. Yeah. I was quick to speak, quick to wrath, and slow to listen and a lot of consequences as a result huge consequences and you know um words are kind of like bullets once you shoot them down range you can't bring them back right they've already hit the target and it's already hurt people and you can't bring them back so that was to me like an anchor scripture Hmm. and and to where i would something would trigger me and i'd go and i'd be ready to just just get you right and the lord would remind me be quiet (laughs) (laughs) that's always good advice who who wants to do that when you're when you're angry right you know so that's one of the ways
0: i want to bring you back to a moment during the rangers that you've shared with me before Mm -hmm. with your boxing yeah which sounds like it was a little bit more of a uh successful
1: occurrence yeah that was the first one that that we went through yeah (laughs) tell us about that one um uh, and what you learned from it sure 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 i forget how ever so often At the time, there was three Ranger Battalions, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd Ranger Battalion underneath the 75th Ranger Regiment umbrella. And uh, at the time, I'm messing with the table, sorry. You're fine. (laughs) And uh, uh, it's called Ranger Rendezvous. And you'd Mm -hmm. get together, and all three Ranger Battalions would compete against each other in various events all the way from running, to road march to different anyway all all the different types of soldier stuff and one of the events was boxing Mm. and I was like hey I've done that let me try that out so you fight at the platoon level the company level the battalion level and then the regimental level Mm -hmm. and you can only progress if you win Mm. so it took me three fights to get to the final match and I was light middleweight I was I was not 265 (laughs) (laughs) I was like 165 actually yeah and um the final match uh it was funny because it's in a room full of army rangers i mean the mountain testosterone in one gym at one time was kind of comical but so i was ready to have the championship fight this guy i'm fighting has not lost either so we both meeting in the ring he hadn't lost i hadn't lost and this there dude is covered in tattoos he doesn't come through the ropes he jumps the ropes flips <laughs> over the ropes and runs over to me and screams like Wah! <laughs> And I look at him I'm like, he's really mad and then I'm like, Ah, this one's not gonna be as easy. Right. So, um it's three, it's normal like novice type fighting, you know, three one minute rounds or three minute and a half rounds with a minute rest in between and and my dad had come to uh to watch me fight and uh so he they allowed him to be in my corner along with another trainer and so we get to fighting and uh at the first round b- many fighters of the first round they're just trying to figure each other out mm-hmm. you could, like how do you fight what is your yeah. game what is your like when you do a certain punch i need to really pay attention to that because he's dangerous on the right and not the left so yeah, you, the first round you're kind of filling each other out
0: when you're watching ufc fight there's a little bit of dancing yeah. first of all because yeah, they're, they're just kind of,
1: testing each other out yeah and yeah and they'll just do more. little they, they're fishing they're right. just seeing what kind of man they're dealing with, even though they might have watched videos. But in Rangers, you don't have that luxury to watch video. You, so, as soon You're as too busy guy, running all the yeah, time. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. As soon as a guy jumps in the ring, that's all you know about him. And so he blasts me a few times and to the point where you, you can get hit and go, that's not bad. And you get hit again, you go, that hurt. You get hit again and it will make you immediately want to quit. Mm. Like... I don't ever want in my life want to be hit that hard ever again. <laughs> and he hit me a couple of times like that. And I remember one time a man's eyes will change when they gave when they give up. Mm. Uh, you can see it. a man's eyes will change right before he swings at you. Learn that over time as well. So when he hit me, I know I signaled to him, I'm done. <laughs> you can have it you can have frito it all pie yeah i was like i'm ready to go to the, the stands and eat me a frito pie and get a t-shirt and say peace out at least i made it to the last fight i won three you know he can have the four uh-huh. that was immediately my mentality when he hit me mm. and right when i was about to go down i saw my dad my dad's cowboy he's got his cowboy hat on and i saw him and he knew he saw my eyes he knows that because he's a fighter and he saw in my eyes that i was done And he hollered at me, don't you dare quit. Mm. And when he said that, like something inside of me just really got excited and almost as if I can't disappoint him, Mm. you know, and- Well, also someone believes in you.
0: Sure, yeah, and he he isn't telling you to get knocked out, he's telling you to win. Absolutely. And Some, it worked. Sometimes somebody's
1: belief in you can be a lot stronger than your belief in yourself and propel you. That'll preach all day long. Yeah. That's exactly right. That is so true. And that's why we need community. That's why yeah. we need people. And because uh, you'll be having a Low time. That's even described in Ecclesiastes. Well, we could just go on and on with that. But when my dad looked at me and he said, don't you dare give up, something clicked inside of me. And I lost my mind for about 20, 30 seconds. And uh, I ended up winning. I was a regimental boxing champ. How about that? Yeah. And I was really so all that getting whooped (laughs) when I was younger. Ended up uh, paying off. And uh, it was good to uh, be called champion for the first time ever in my life
0: now it was that experience of you know almost quitting basically being demanded <laughs> sure. not to quit how has that influenced your life later on
1: well it um whether we like in my opinion whether we like it or not believe it or not or know it or not there is what i call calvary principle before you experience a beautiful Sunday, a beautiful resurrection, a beautiful miracle of God, Yeah, you have to go through Calvary. And right before it's about to get really good in life, in my opinion, it's going to get really bad. Yes. And so I was uh, in that moment. I was that was my Calvary moment, at least for the boxing world. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was like, I'm done. Mm. I'm, I'm okay with you winning and you dominated you beat me yeah. and when my dad said those words that taught me later and i learned that through the rest of my life right when things get really really bad mm-hmm. now i know if you just hold on a little bit longer something powerful is about to shift in your life yeah yeah
0: i believe that too and i've experienced that i've had some some tough times and i, remember I was going through a particularly tough time for about a year and that's a long time to go through a tough time. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but I remember there were some days, driving to work, having a particularly terrible experience. Yeah. And all of a sudden becoming encouraged, thinking, it can't get much worse than this. It's exactly right. And I think about that regularly nowadays. Uh, mm-hmm. Just last week, I was having mm-hmm. a tough time, just kind of mentally.
2: Hmm.
0: What do I want to do? How do I want to do it? Et cetera. Yeah. And I was just thinking you know what like get excited that the good time is coming sure but don't give up there there's no, this don't. there's this image i was actually looking at this morning there's this image cartoon of a guy who's like digging through a cave yeah and he's turns back around and he's like this close to all the diamonds he was <laughs> digging for <laughs> that's so true and so like yeah did you stop digging yeah you know
2: yeah yeah yeah
1: people uh, i heard a story of a. Somebody was swimming over a certain bay and it was foggy. Mm-hmm. And they had a boat obviously following them. I forgot. I probably shouldn't even say the story if I don't know all the details. But and <laughs> we're this far. They, they were. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Might as well go with it. They couldn't swim any further. Yeah. And they uh, uh, ended up getting in the boat and the fog lifted 30 minutes later and they were literally 50 yards from the shore. I was like, come on. Yeah. But that's how, that's how we are sometimes in life. Mm-hmm. If we're not careful, we'll yeah. give up right when it's everything you tried hard for is about to pay off. Mm. And then people right at the end say, nope. And there's yeah. scripture to back that up as well. Yeah. And that's what it gets me is there's so many biblical principles that are people are experiencing every day and they don't even realize it. it is mm. right in the word of God. Sometimes for some people, it's right in the very Bible that they despise. I'm like the answer's right there. Well, talk a little about that. What are some? Cause I think one of the things that that's
0: really amazing is there are these principles, there are these truths that benefit us, sure, all through life, sure. And one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on here yeah. is a lot of the truths that you're talking about in church every day. Mm-hmm. They help me in my business. They help me in my leadership, and I yeah. think that they can really
1: speak to a lot of the audience as well. Sure. Uh, one that uh, we just talked about is God will lift you up in due time if if, and do we still remember the if-then statements we learned in school? Sure. In, in due time, God will lift you up if you don't lose heart. Mm. So you're about to get lifted up, and then this whole world and everything that you know of it is about to come against you. Mm-hmm. Family, friends, circle of influence, job, personal life, emotions, physical issues, all this stuff, just whoosh. Yeah. And if you just held on. That's, yeah. You're about to be promoted to something, even even be promoted in a new chapter of your life. Sure. But if you lose heart, the Bible says it's not coming for you now. Mm. You missed out on that, man. You put in all that work. Imagine working, you know, some people get paid, you know, every two weeks or once a month. Sure. Imagine working, you know, 29 days. <laughs> yeah. And you quit right before you got your paycheck. That don't make no sense, but we'll do that many times in life in different scenarios of life and we don't realize what we're doing. Another one would be, um, God will not be mocked. Every man will reap what he sows. I love what my papa said. Jason, mm. I don't care how many times you plant corn, you'll never get watermelon. There you go, <laughs> it's about that simple. So right. it, what kind of seeds are you planting? And your words are seeds. Mm. So if you constantly talk against yourself and other people, mm-hmm. well, that's coming back to you. Yeah. It's going to seed time harvest, uh, especially living in a day like today. You know, if we pull up to a McDonald's drive through or anything and it's not ready in less than five minutes, we're already then contemplating what's taking them so long. Right. And the good things in life take time. You True. plant a seed. Right. And you cultivate it. You water it. You take care of it and then the increase most of the most of the beautiful part of the growing is underneath the ground you can't even see it so things are growing things are happening and coming your way but you can't see it yet so Patience. then we quit right before, right before it happens yeah yeah
0: yeah in fact one of the problems with our food is that we have done all these things to it, so that it grows really fast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and now there's no nutrients in it anymore.
1: Absolutely, nutrient. What do they call it? Your, the soil's being depleted.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to take you through, you know, rest of this career story really quick. So let's touch on a little bit. So next, you went to become a patrol sergeant and assistant SWAT team leader. Mm-hmm. Take us through that, and let's talk about, you know, how'd you get started? At
1: well, Strong. you don't, you don't to get a, you don't get hired as that. Uh, That's obviously a promotion up to that. So I was hired as a police officer first. Um, Again, my dad was a police officer for 42 years. Hmm. And um, military on your resume is just a good fit for being a police officer so then um became a police officer and in patrol i stayed there the whole time i was never a detective or anything Mm -hmm. or a school resource or officer a bike officer a motorcycle none of that um stayed in patrol the whole time and then uh over time got promoted to corporal and then over some more time got promoted to sergeant patrol sergeant where you supervise anywhere from eight to ten officers sure and then uh the swat team came about when i was a corporal Uh, there's a selection test for it uh, similar to the military but um kind of the an easy way to understand it when civilians need help they call the police when police need help they call swat okay because yep. they're more equipped. SWAT right. means special weapons and tactics. Mm-hmm. So they have special weapons that a normal police officer won't have sure. and they have special training and skills and tactics that a normal officer is not taught. Yeah. Um, so that's where that comes about. So the normal day to day, uh, calls that an officer will take all the way from vehicle accidents to a suicidal person, mm-hmm. SWAT is a specific team that will go after a specific what activates them is a dangerous person right yeah there's like a threat matrix every agency does it a little bit different we fill out a threat matrix mm-hmm. so it made it justified and able to defend also and justifying in a court of law why were they even called in the first place mm-hmm. so swat team usually go after the more legitimately dangerous people right not people that talk trash people that have proven they will pull triggers they will hurt you they're not going to do what you say etc stuff like that what
0: is that like uh, just mentally stress when that's your daily job. I mean, you know, I do some consulting. I host a podcast. I feel stressed out. Yeah, but <laughs> no one's coming that after can me. And I'm not coming after them. Sure, yeah. but yeah. you know, when you're talking about dealing with physical danger or yeah, these sorts of things, what what is that like in your in your daily life? How does that manifest?
1: Well, our our agency didn't have a full time SWAT team, so the majority of my law enforcement career was being a patrol officer, corporal, and sergeant. Um, and you're, in the beginning, we we're called maybe two, three times a month. Okay. Towards the end, it can be two or three times a week. Wow. Yeah, it's progressed a lot. And uh, what is it like? Well, we would get a briefing, you know, beforehand mm-hmm. of why we're going. What we're going for, what is the criminal history on this person? And when after they get done describing this person to you, and you go, you know, it is reasonable to think that you could go after this person and they kill you. So that is a uh, that is a uh, sobering feeling. You, I don't know how to say this uh, correctly experiencing those moments will help date night seem so much richer <laughs> i feel that yeah, yeah so mm-hmm. um obviously i was a praying man at that time so i would be in prayer and, and pray over the team before we went out and and thank the lord nobody ever got hurt but it is a uh, it's a unique fear to kick open a door knowing that he's armed yep and he's proven he'll do it again Mm. so that's uh but i mean you got eight of your fellow trained brothers with you right and so that that brings you know some confidence there but still it just takes one bullet so it's a unsettling feeling but Mm -hmm. after you're done calvary remember that calvary moment yep you you love life so much more Mm. afterwards and it helps people get them out of a certain lifestyle many people want to see a bad thing about that Mm. and but that person you're going after is still a human being and they made some bad decisions yeah and i've heard personal testimony time and time again that it was that moment that they said i'm done Wow. And it changed their life. So that's that's pretty cool when you yep. hear somebody. And actually, I had one come back to the PD and thanked us. Really? Yeah. You know, that's never on the news. <laughs> <laughs> but thanked us uh, for shutting him down hmm. because he knew that he would have just kept going and it only gets worse well sometimes you need that
0: awakening moment right in your life where you're going a path sometimes you don't even realize how far you've gone down a path until you get smacked in the face with some consequences that's exactly right and sometimes the best lesson is the hardest one Yeah. yeah
1: yeah not fun but
0: it produces good fruit that's right yeah so how long were you uh in this role before the you know you became pastor of king's trail or or that yeah i i don't think opportunity is the right word but yeah. that
1: uh emerged in your life yeah i was a police officer 11 years and before i resigned became full-time pastor but to kind of walk it up to that when i was in the military i got real close to the lord mm-hmm. i had a powerful experience in a in a swamp it was undeniable was that it, like I was angry with the Lord. Hmm. Um, I was saved when I was born again at age 13, baptized. And then, you know, grow up and, you know, you're now a young man. Maybe not grown. You might think you're grown, but I'm a young man now. Sure. And I think... um, you know, I was about three weeks out in the field, and it rained two of the weeks. And Rangers, they don't feed you. I mean, they do. I mean, they just—they just don't care. They don't care. I remember I went up to my sergeant, now a retired sergeant major, command sergeant major, and uh, I remember the first time I went up to him, he was a team leader, and I said, "Hey, sergeant. I was just like two days. We hadn't ate. We're just still playing army out in the middle of the Georgia swamp." I was like, "Hey, sarge," uh, he was like, "Yeah, what?" and I go, "When are we gonna eat?" He goes, did you eat last week? Shut your mouth and leave me alone. And I was like, what did he just say? And he was serious. So there's, there's things I experienced in the rangers that if I heard somebody else tell the story, I'd say you're either lying or exaggerating or both. Uh-huh. Until I experienced it, I was like, no, this stuff is real. You can wow. go a whole week and not eat. Hmm. You can. I hope to never find out. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I found out later even as a minister. But so I was in a swamp and the ranger chaplain gave me a camouflage ranger Bible. Huh. And I didn't want it. I was like, I'm already born again. Thank you, sir. No need. Go give it to somebody who needs it, which sounds like I really need it. If I say I don't need it, sure. even being a Christian. So and he goes, well, you look like the, you seem to be a good young man. I said, would you take it for me? And I was like, oh. being the new guy in the ranger battalion, you're going to carry the weight. Mm. The new guy carries the most weight. And uh, so yeah, I put it in there. So I'm now we're in a swamp and everybody's asleep. I finally let them bed down to sleep. And when I say bed down, that means sit down and lean up against your rucksack, your backpack. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm pulling security. And, I'm, and you learn in the Rangers that as soon as you get a break, you need to doctor your feet because that's the first thing you're going to lose. Wow. You have to take care of your feet. So mm-hmm. I'm doing it one sock at a time, one boot at a time. And so I come across this Bible and I'm like, man, I threw it. it. I threw it on the ground. We had a little dry, sandy spot in the middle of the swamp. I was mad. I remember my Paul, he said, Jason, you can't intellectually understand the Bible. You, hmm. Flesh can never understand a spirit thing. It takes the spirit to understand a spirit thing. Hmm. And uh, it always stuck with me. He said, you should pray before you open up the Bible if you want understanding of it. So I was like, Lord, I don't even know if I believe in you anymore. I don't even know if I believed in you in the first place. But I think I kind of do because when I said that, I got afraid. Like. Like he's yeah. listening. <laughs> not like he's a daddy that'll whoop you or nothing, mm-hmm. but just a reverent fear of something present. And so I did the, oh, this is silly, whatever, but I did it. I did the oh, open up the Bible, close your eyes, and go, you know, put your finger down uh-huh. or something. And when I did, I put my finger on the left page and I heard a calm, strong voice, not audibly like we're talking, but just in my mind sure. say two pages back. And I went, Wow. Okay. Well was two pages back? Well I turned it two pages back and I still went and I did the finger thing and put it down hmm. and that same voice says a little lower. And I moved my finger a little lower and he said, Open your eyes and read. And it's second Timothy two three. It says therefore you must endure hardship as a good soldier for Jesus Christ. Pretty spot on. Yeah, I read that in the middle of a Georgia swamp as a soldier who is feeling sorry for himself and all that. Wow. So all of that experienced all that and then i had an, another you know bad season in my life and i was just angry and and so i was angry at god again and my dad came up to me one time and he goes hey uh, we found this cowboy church over there just east of farmersville you want to go with us mm-hmm. i said no thank you <laughs> and he goes i understand mm-hmm. he goes would you go one sunday for me mm-hmm. i was like why would you say it like that he goes because i'm still your daddy mm-hmm. and i was like Yes, sir. I'll go. Yeah, and I went and fell in love with the Lord all over again. Mm. Simple preaching. I, I was a secret, uh, self-conscious issue I had mm. growing up was it, it's strange because I made straight A's, mm-hmm. but my vocabulary was not not vast. Right, and so if I went to a church uh-huh. where you have a PhD preacher, sure that spoke with an intellectual tongue. I didn't know how to interpret half the words he said.
0: Well, there's a kind of a church speak too. Sure. Right. So there's all these like words that nobody uses at any other time (laughs) outside of your life. And so I've been in some churches where I'm sitting there and now I grew up going to church. So I kind of, you know, inside baseball a little bit. Yeah. I can imagine people who did not. Uh -uh. Anytime we feel confused, we might feel dumb. Yeah. And then we want to run. Yeah. From everything.
1: Yeah. And so how is that inviting? Well, yeah, it's exactly how do you right. Understand? But, and then later I learned that God made that man very educated to what? Preach educated people? Yes. So I kept going to churches that had fishing lures that wouldn't catch this fish. Mm. Um, so... Uh, how did it change? My dad asked me to go, and I went, and I fell in love with the Lord all over again. And what I fell in love with this this preacher's in a wheelchair; he's rolling around the the aisles. He wasn't up on those days. He's he'd come out in the congregation, and he'll he'll preach half his message sitting next to you. And that was kind. of, I was like, whoa. Was, yeah. So being comfortable, but I I I enjoyed, and it was refreshing to hear a simple talk. Mm-hmm. That I didn't have to bring a dictionary or a thesaurus to church to try to understand what he was telling me, right? And uh, and so that started, a, you know, a new season in my life. And uh, um, I uh, I got to where if the Lord wants to change something in your life, He'll cause you to uh, not have a taste for it. You know how as you get older, your taste mm-hmm. buds change. Yeah. Same with life. So I felt like the Lord was changing my taste buds for law enforcement it did not taste good to me anymore it wasn't for any reason it's just now my taste was for the lost my taste was for to help people understand how the lord now helped me understand how simple he is He even says in you know in the bible about um before we should not forget the simplicity of christ Mm. and uh so that started we were going back and forth molly and i my wife going back and forth this church and I was like, you know what, um, how about we, I saw a cowboy church in Van Alsting, 104 South Man. I was like, you know, this that other cowboy church, 45 minute drive one way, I said, you know what, let's just go to church, that cowboy church in Van Alsting, we'll go eat lunch, come home, be lazy. Mm-hmm. She was like, okay. Yeah. So I head there, tell me if this part's too long, and I can shorten it up, but I go there and um, listen to the message and I'm like stuck in the seat I can't move. I can move, but I can't move. It's very strange. Hmm. And my wife comes to me. and goes, you ready to go? I go, nope. And the pastor comes up to me. He says, you good? And I'm like, I'm good. He goes, oh, we're about to shut things <laughs>
2: off.
0: <laughs> we're Could about to close the door and lock you. Yeah. yeah. i about to lock
1: like you in here. Yeah. And uh, I said, man, I don't, I don't understand. I said, will you tell my wife to come back over here? <clears throat> Excuse me. And he sent Molly back over there, and she's like, what's going on? And it hit me, and I said this. I said, you know, before we make big decisions, we should pray about it, talk about it, agree on it. You know, I said, but I want to – people might not like this, but I said this. I said, can I pull out my husband card just one time, <laughs> and you just say, yes, baby. hmm Just I support you no mm-hmm. matter what. Mm-hmm. And she was like kinda a little apprehensive on that Maybe I said, Please, (laughs) just trust me and just say yes. Mm -hmm. She said, Okay. I said, We're joining this church today. She goes, Why? I go, I don't know, but we must be at this church. Hmm. We have to stay here. Hmm. And then a year later I'm the pastor preaching in my own barn. Right. And now it's up, you know, eight, nine hundred thousand people. Yeah. So that's the cliff note version of kind of how that all went out. Well, I want
0: to dive into one piece because it's something that has been extremely impactful to me. Mm -hmm. Um, when I tell people about King's trail, when I tell people about you, Mm -hmm. um, the thing that I, one of the things I enjoy the most about going to church there is that I don't know that I've met anybody who is more genuine Mm -hmm. than you about their life's calling Mm-hmm. and from what i've heard you say and what i've experienced being around you mm-hmm. you are fully committed yeah and there is not a lot of ah, maybe this maybe that mm-hmm. and i'm fully convinced that you believe every single thing that you say absolutely and i think there's a lot to respect about that mm-hmm. and you shared a story with me about your hand tattoo oh yeah And i'd like you to share that because i think it's inspiring there's a lot to learn
1: from it sure um well i got a couple tattoos in the military and specifically a ranger one on my left forearm and i i got that as a reminder of it can always get worse Hmm. um just a reminder you know sometimes we have pity parties for ourselves and that was a reminder of me sure Uh, you're not really having a bad day it could get worse yeah and uh so when I resigned from law enforcement um to be a full time pastor, it was substantially a lot less money. I'm talking about maybe a third, wow, so it's like a paycheck With more to, kids
0: too right yeah, mm-hmm. exactly
1: more kids, more groceries <laughs> <laughs> and uh a whole at least sixty to seventy grand less. Wow, yeah, that's it's, a whole job for some people. Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. a paycheck got up and left the house. Yeah, and um, my oldest son, I was at a flag football game, sitting in a lawn chair, and a guy came up to me. He said, "Hey, Sarge." Hey, I guess he assumed I was still a police officer, mm-hmm. and uh, we got to talking to him. Well, he's a contractor in the Middle East, <laughs> and he was like starting to get elevated in that a uh, circle of influence. Sure. And he knew of me because I was his patrol sergeant at one point in time. And he's like, what you doing these days? I said, I'm a pastor at a cowboy church. And
0: <laughs> <laughs> I probably took him by surprise.
1: He's like, <laughs> what'd you just say? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, he said, man, you don't need to be doing that. He said, how would it sound to drop $4,200 cash in your account every Friday? Tax free. Cause you working outside, the united states for a certain amount of months i don't know all the tax stuff sure um and immediately <laughs> in my mind because i'm a numbers guy uh i went wow that's that's a lot of money and tax bills free. Off. oh my gosh i even thought i could buy two three sections up in oklahoma and then put my cabin right in the middle of it and tell everybody good luck with life (laughs) i'll be out here and i mean just strong temptation yeah and uh you know law enforcement goes through seasons where one minute they love them and next minute they're trying to kill you you know they're terrible next minute they're heroes again and yeah and so um i knew that i was not i knew i was not uh if I kept hearing offers, I'll eventually take it mm-hmm. because nobody likes to be hurting financially. Right? Nobody likes to, I mean, we used to, my wife and I, we used to go, we didn't ever worry about finances. Yeah. Uh, if we want to go eat sushi, we're going to eat sushi. We want to go watch a movie. We want to go do a seven day cruise. We'll go Round do that too. Areas, right? yeah, we, we just yeah. go do whatever we want because we were, we were financially stable. So when you sit there and go, you can't go to the grocery store until you need three things because we can't afford the gas money. (laughs) Right. And then you keep getting those offers and you go, and this is way before gas is what it is now. Sure. Um, I knew that I was going to eventually say yes to it and be like, you know, good luck, church. I'm Mm going to go make about 200 and something grand a year tax-free. And um, I knew that uh, an immediate disqualification for most of those jobs is tattoos. Hmm. where they're sh- seen and so uh i got a tattoo um of an anchor uh, honoring my papa who's a frog man in world war ii he he uh teams two and four he uh he's a very bold man hmm. and so kind of in honor of his boldness and i knew if i didn't do something drastic that i now they'll say no now they won't come recruit. Now they won't come ask. Yeah. And if I applied, they would say no because wow. tattoos on my hand now disqualifies me. And I knew that was my uh, lot and his wife. Mm-hmm. Don't look back. Right. That was my pillar of salt moment that I, I will look back if I didn't have something mm. that would force me to just go forward. What's that story where they burn the boats?
0: Yeah. Yeah, Cortez. That, there you go. Yeah, so Cortez um, sailed to South America, mm-hmm. and he knew that th- there was this native South American army mm-hmm. of people just waiting for him because they have mm-hmm. been there a few times. And mm-hmm. if they had the option to retreat, they wouldn't fight. Yeah. And so they arrived on the shore, Yeah, and Cortez said, burn the boats. Yeah. And the soldiers said, what? Yeah and then they only had the option to move forward and succeed or die, literally. Exactly. Wow.
1: Yeah, so that was my burning the boat moment and I believe nobody will be successful in life until you're willing to burn some boats. Mm. You got to because we there's sometimes, you know, everybody knows themselves to this point, there's moments in your life you can't trust your emotions. Yes. Well, I heard somebody say emotions are beautiful servants, terrible masters we can use them to make decisions but it should never lead our life we mm-hmm. must make decisions on right things not emotional things yeah. And I kept being emotional right so yeah that's why I do that
0: so sometimes in life there's a time where you know there's a way you should go hmm and if necessary remove con- from consideration take steps to remove from consideration yeah going back sure there's something to be fully committed there i've um i don't practice this myself i've been struggling with it in my business Mm -hmm. you know before i started doing the podcast and consulting and Mm -hmm. chairman of the esports trade association these things Mm -hmm. a couple doing you know i've been juggling things that's right the balls are still in the air yeah there you go um but i've heard it said if you really want to do something do it yeah don't entertain yourself with all of these things and i've heard this multiple times and i have yet to be transparent yeah to really dive and say this is the thing because i kind of feel like i'm figuring out what the thing is sure but there's something in the leadership and business that is to your story a full commitment yeah go for it 100 percent.
2: yeah yeah
1: when i was a little boy i heard if you're gonna do it do it if not sit down be quiet yeah and the Bible it says, fully give yourself to it. Mm. It says, study to show thyself approved. It says, a man's gift will make room for him. A man who's excellent at his work will be brought before kings. Mm. So there is something to be said. If you're going to do it, then give yourself fully to it. Yeah. So many times I believe people will, um, I'll try it out. That's fine. But if you want to succeed at something, you can't try it out. Right. You have to immerse in it mm. to the point to where it becomes second nature. That's one of the beautiful things I did learn about the military, or first off, martial arts, boxing, kickbox, military, and law enforcement and SWAT. hmm There's something to be said about muscle memory. Yes. Yeah. So if if I train this way, train this way, train, yeah. and then the real situation pops up. I am now already engaging in it without even making a decision because now it's muscle memory. It's the same with that with our emotions. If we train ourselves to try it, nah, try it, somebody made me mad, quit, try Mm -hmm. it, somebody hurt my feelings, quit. You're training yourself to fail the rest of your life. Hmm. You have to make your decision, cross the line, and then do it or die. Hmm. Uh, My dad told me at the airport, before I got on the airport, or an airplane at the airport before I went in the army. I remember is when everybody could go by by the gates. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I do remember yeah, that. Was, yeah. And now you can't even barely get past the front yeah, door. Yeah, drop them off at the yeah, curb. Yeah, drop them off. And uh, so anyway, right before I was getting on the airplane everybody's loading up, he said, come here. I want to tell you something. He said, when you get up there to basic training and AIT and airborne and RIP and all this stuff, he said, I need you to do me a favor. Close your eyes. I was like, okay. I closed my eyes. He said, on the table, you have options. It's full of options, visual options on this table. And on that table is the option of quit. I want you to visually, in your mind, pick up that option and throw it in the trash. You either do it or don't come home. Mm. And that saved me countless times on just runs. Our final run. To get mm-hmm. our black beret, everybody's got black beret now. Now the Rangers have khaki berets. But our final run, <laughs> Sergeant Struker, which later became a minister, by the way, powerful guy, uh, wonderful man. Um, he was the R- RIP instructor, and he said, today, Rangers, all of you pass passed the minimum qualifications to become an Army Ranger. Congratulations, but today we're gonna go on a long, slow run, attention, right face, double time, and we didn't stop till 17 miles you had to do at least five miles to be a ranger he went three times that much wow so whatever i don't know who listens to this stuff or what but whatever they're deciding to do Mm -hmm. investigate research Mm -hmm. make sure you're making the right decision but once you make that decision once you cross the line don't stop until you achieved it Mm. period don't stop i love that
0: yeah got one more question for you as we ran out this episode five ten minutes we've covered a lot Mm -hmm. covered your career path Mm -hmm. some of these spiritual truths that are true across life in general some really cool experiences that you've learned Mm -hmm. perseverance full commitment Mm -hmm. if there is one thing that you would add to the people who are listening to this who are typically business people that are everywhere from i'm in college and i'm aspiring Mm -hmm. to i've been in business for 20 30 years and i'm seeking to learn new things from new people Mm -hmm. um what would you want people to come away from this episode
1: with Hmm. that's a great question what would i want them to come away with this episode if you're not committed learn what it truly means to be committed Mm -hmm. And if you are committed, don't run your family off. Mm. There's two ditches on the road. One is lazy people that always want to make excuses Mm -hmm. and always want to blame somebody else for not achieving a goal. Yeah. And there's other people who will achieve the goal and they will bulldoze their spouse, their children, and everybody that is is in their way to achieve the goal. Mm. Both are wrong. We need to find that fine balance of being committed, but also learning how to love your family and friends along the way. And you don't run them off because your commitment is so intense. Yeah. You've got to learn how to relax too. <laughs> I feel that. I could learn a lot from that too. Me, me too. <laughs> I, I, I'm saying that one from experience mm-hmm. um, because I've run some people off.
0: I think there's something to just popping in my mind. This is another thing I appreciate about what you say in church and i hear from you a lot is you're not sharing things like you've got it figured out no way and you're telling everybody else to be like you no way i hear a lot of things that you're saying and you're saying i'm talking to myself at the same time Mm -hmm. i just feel moved to share this with all of y'all but yeah i need this
1: just as much if not more exactly there's only one that's perfect that was jesus and there's not going to be any more perfect like him Everybody else got issues. Everybody <laughs> else trying to figure it out. Going the club. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, I so
0: appreciate you being here with me today. Thank um, you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Mm-hmm. I'll see you on Sunday.
1: Yes, sir. Lord willing.
0: Thank you for joining me today on the DLC Drop Podcast.
1: Yes, sir. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the DLC Drop Podcast. This podcast is part of the Esports Futuri Podcast Network and produced by Innovation Media Enterprises. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast channel and leave us a review.